Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hey guys, welcome back to the Cowboy Stories. We are currently searching for sponsors for this episode and future episodes. So if you or somebody that you know is interested in sponsoring this podcast, please feel free to send me an email to cowboystoriespodcast at gmail.com. Also, if you like what you're listening to, please feel free to leave us a rating and a review on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. But with that being said, let's dive right into today's episode. Today is part two of my interview with Glenn D. Taft. Nobody runs cattle down there anymore, right? Yeah, Boone. Oh, they do. Boone. Boone okay. and Richard still have the permit. Uh, it's part of the it's part of the water pocket fold allotment, and they have more or less claimed the bottom half. And there's a couple of other permittees that that run cattle up on Big Thompson, Little Thompson, and and. Uh, Clay Seep and some of those. So, but Boone and Richard has more or less claimed it from the, from where the road goes off Middle Point. There's a cattle guard down, and the right on the very top where the road goes off Middle Point is an oil well, an old oil well. In fact, they, that oil well was drilled in 1949. Wow! And they they hauled. There was two guys that worked on that oil rig. Is the reason I know that. Uh, Arlo Durfee and uh, Lloyd Meekham. And they both of them told me different stories about the winter. And the the the, pump, the, wa- the oil well needed water to drill and they put a pipe off of the ledge and it's got to be 500 feet or more from the top of that off into Bullfrog and they went down Bullfrog with a dozer, bulldozer, and dammed Bullfrog Creek off, and had this great big pump with motors on it, and they pumped water out of Bullfrog, up that ledge wow. and to this oil rig, and it was it was Arlo, uh, Arlo's main job, and Lloyd Meekham some of the times, they were the motor man for the pump. And every day, their shift, 12-hour shift, they'd go from up on top where the camp was, the oil rig, they'd walk over over to the ledge and go down this trail to the bottom and go down Bullfrog about a quarter of a mile to to the, where this pump was at. And and they'd, 
I guess there was two of them, two big pumps, and they'd check the oil and water and everything in the one that wasn't running, and then they'd fire it up, and when they got it up and up to speed, they'd shut the other one off and switch the valves and stuff to to keep... So kind of rotate to keep right, going. Right, right. Wow. They'd rotate those pumps, but that was their job. 12 hours, Lloyd Meekham told me, he says he could get down about halfway down the, the ledge, the trail, and he could tell by the sound of that motor whether he could dilly-dally around and sit down and have a rest <laughs> or if he needed to hurry to get down there to it. They were good old boys, had, had some good stories. You said something about um, having good horses by the time you would come back from those trips. Have you always had good horses? Yes, yes. We've had, we've always had good horses. We, And when I, by saying that, we would go with probably, let's say half, just half of the horses that we would start out with were good broke horses. And the other half had maybe been rode once or twice or maybe never anybody been on them. And and we'd in the process, we'd we would take those horses and and we'd we would saddle them and and let them pack a saddle one day and and the next day, my dad would would take that horse that had never been rode, got a saddle on him. He'd get on a good horse and he'd dally that horse up real close, and one of us would climb on that horse. And he'd lead you out. And he'd, he'd lead us off. And before the sun went down that night, that horse was pretty well broke. <laughs> and he got, that horse got more riding the rest of the trip than the old good horse that my dad started. But of course, my dad was a starting one for each of us every day. And, and like I said, when, when that colt, they was two, maybe three years old, when that colt, we'd ride that colt one day and, and then turn them loose, let them graze, and then we'd, I'd start another one the next day, do the same thing over. My dad would lead us for maybe, depending on the horse, he'd lead us for maybe an hour to four or five hours, depending on how, how bad that horse, that colt was. But by, by the afternoon, we were alone, steering and going. And by the time we got through, come and made the trip, that horse was good. That's cool. Broke. They, was, they come out of there as broke horses. And, we, and like I said, we always had, we always had uh, at least 15 up to 20 head of horses that, that, because it took that many to, to uh, trade them off. Yeah, and, and get the job done. So, did your dad raise the horses yes. that you would use? Yeah, a lot of the horses, and he'd and he'd buy a colt or two, and so that we had plenty. But yeah, my dad, my dad had, oh, he had four or five good, good mares that were well broke. They were good using horses, and he'd he'd raise the colts. And I and I've done the same since then. I've still got, I've still got. Seven, eight head of mares. Okay. Right here that that'll have colts come come spring next it, February, February, March, April. Is there a particular bloodline that you guys like to I, stay with? There, there, yeah, there, and there's several of them, but 
but we always used the the rain reining cow horses or cutting horses the and we weren't particularly into the race horse side of the although there was there was times that we would have a we would have a colt that would be part race horse blood with mixed on the cow horse bred mare which they made good horses but we we more or less stayed with the with the cow horse the cow sense blood cow reining cow horse cutting horse and that's what we've got and there's several different lines that you know that even today that yeah that are that that particular bloodline uh, whereas there's the same lines for the race horses as yeah. well is there yeah. a line in particular that you Yes, right now I've got, I've got, I got way too many horses. (laughs) (laughs) Is that a thing? I don't know if that's possible. (laughs) It's a bad habit to get. I've got six different stud horses. I've got a gray starlight. Cool. Pepto Boone's mall. I got two own sons. Very direct own sons of Patty's Irish Whiskey. And he, Patty's Irish Whiskey is a horse that, uh, from the four sixes ranch in Texas, that they, I've got two own sons of him. And I've got a new cash bred horse, which is, and and they're all rain cow horse. So, so yeah, I'm, uh, I've I've got I've got way too many horses, <laughs> and my kids tell me so. <laughs> yeah. Uh, did you ever have any wrecks leading colts out like that, or were you, they all pretty successful? No, we had, had we had some wrecks. I got thrown off many times. In fact, I probably my fault. <laughs> you know, after we'd get them where my dad wasn't leading us and stuff, we'd and they'd maybe want to lope out there and turn that cow maybe a little too quick <laughs> goose him with the spurs a little too quick and i've been <laughs> thrown off many times i yeah yeah we had uh when i was younger and uh we had uh i told you we went out on clay point went from eggnog out on clay point and went off clay point not the road we went Clay Point, and we we went up there and went, dove right off the east side of it, down a steep, steep trail. And my dad told me, he says, when you get down, you'll go off in that Clay Point, and he says, you'll think you've hit the bottom, and you, you'll go turn to the right and go around that bench. And he says, when you get around there about a mile and you realize that you're not in the right place, turn around and go back and go where it's flat, where I told you it's steep, uh-huh. he says, go get back where it's flat, where you can see your tracks, where you just come off. He says, just keep going east for another couple hundred yards and then go down that steep. And, and sure as hell, that's what happened. That's what we did. Carl Don and I, just like he said, we hit the bottom and went around. And then we, anyway, we got off, and that goes into Thompson Canyon. We got down in Thompson Canyon and that. Like I said, it was during the the raining boom or after, mm-hmm. and there'd been Dozer up Thompson Canyon. My dad says, when you get in the bottom of Thompson Canyon, there's a road. 
he says you can take that road and go down and stay on the it'll be on the on the right hand side the west side of the thompson canyon he says you can go down it but he says if you get down there oh maybe a mile or so and it's washed out and you can't go any further he says come back up back up the canyon quarter of a mile or something and go across the wash and get on the other side of the wash and hit the old trail which was only this wide we did we got down about where we could see the ledge where it was washed out over there and we had two horses i had a big gray mare that i'd got from a guy over to richfield he was a, a big she was a thoroughbred mare anyway we got down there and and we had to take the saddles we had pack saddles on on some of them the ledge hung over the trail went around here the ledge hung over and it was straight down over here about 50 60 70 feet we got there and those and those two with we took some horses and they went under that was a little shorter and we did scrub the saddle horn and we had these two big horses and we had to take saddles off to to lead them around under this ledge hanging and and then it still scrubbed their oh. shoulders <laughs> and we got them down on the other side of the and put saddles back on them got back on the way we went but the little little mishaps like that yeah. all but it was like i say at the time it was nerve-wracking and we wasn't <laughs> sure we were but looking back now hell we enjoyed every minute of it yeah but it was a and really the best way the best way for you to understand all of this is sometimes show you the even from a distance, you know, yeah. up on a on a lookout and say, okay, right down there is Thompson Canyon, and that's Bullfrog, and you know, yeah. stuff like that to show you, and and get down in Bullfrog and say, okay, right across over there, and you can see where the, I can I can point to the, to where the the old road went across there and out and 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 I'll bet the road up in the cove after you cross Bullfrog, the road went up, and and it went up in a cove, and it circled around and come back right back just made a loop right back around itself and then turned and went around this big point and the reason was because there was two voices you could go across the saddle horse but you couldn't go across it with a mm. with a, a vehicle a wagon or whatever yeah. a pickup and that, that dozer had gone up around that knowing that these Two places would wash out the first little rainstorm. So when the raining boom, they come over and they went up and around and made this horseshoe, come back down here and then then ride over and went around this big butte off into Hull's Creek. Yeah. yeah. Who were some of the best guys that you rode with? Or who did you look up to when you were younger? Well, the, my dad and Don were the, probably the the main two main that that I got the most guidance from or information, but there was there was others that uh, down there, uh, Alec Clark. There was I, I don't know there was a Orwell Williams, the good old boy to be out with, Dial Williams. They were brothers, nice guys, good guys to be. Bliss Brinkerhoff, they, he was 
one that was down to eggnog before they was gathering their cattle at the same time and we'd all hoved into eggnog to camp the first night. Keith Taylor, Keith Taylor was a exceptionally good old boy to be with. He was, and he always, everything was good. It was never a bad, it don't matter how bad it was, it was never bad <laughs> with Keith. Everything was plum fine. Had a, had a good time. He was a, he was a good old boy to be with. Nice guy. Dunk Taylor, Dunk Taylor was another one that was good to, good to be out with. Couple of guys out here on the mountain. See, after we got those cattle to here, we'd we'd keep going uh, out here on the west side to Boulder. That's where we would summer the cattle. That we so we'd keep going okay. with those cattle. We'd stop, we'd stop here in the trail in town f- for two or three days, week, whatever, and mark all the calves and brand them and get everything, and then we'd go keep going. And so out here on the on the west side to Boulder, there was Dunk Taylor and Guy Pace and. Uh, those morels, there was there was a lot of a lot of guys that there was a generation older than me that was yeah. that was just good guys to be with. Yeah, John Christensen, he was a his his brother bought the Sandy Ranch from Myrups. You familiar with the Sandy Ranch? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. A little bit. Okay. Uh, there was to start with Myrips. Myrips were more or less the. Uh, well, got to go back a little further. Uh, Bounds, the old man Bounds is the one that started the Sandy Ranch, and then. Where was he from? I'm not sure where he was from. Come from. I know there's. I know there's one relative, a boy about my age, that's up uh, just north of Gunnison, Mona, okay. somewhere. And he, I, his name, you know, when I met him, when we quizzed, and he said yes, he was, he was a relative of the, of the old man Bound. But he started it, and then, and then the way I understand it, he sold, or whenever it was time to sell or whatever, he sold to Lanning, Jim Lanning, and uh, Royal Brinkerhoff and Myrups. And Brinkerhoff and Lanning both went broke, and Myrups took over the whole thing. Okay. And, and then after Myrups, then Christensen, William Christensen, bought it. He was a, a high-powered doctor. Salt Lake, and he, so he had the money in yeah. the back, and he got his brother John to come and tend it, run it. So anyway, he come up here to the Sandy Ranch, and he and he was there for a long time, and and sometime, sometime you need to go to, down there and go up to the diversion. Okay. This diversion, the old man Bounds built this diversion. Oak Creek, walls, sand rock walls, just like that, 200 feet high. And he, he went in there, and they, and they even found some papers where, where he had bought cement and had cement had, was delivered. 
And they took that cement and went up the creek and got, I don't know, there was, I can't remember the names for sure. Anyway, they went up the creek and they, they made farms. They're, they're about three foot and the, and the cement farms is about three foot wide. So there's about a three by three box, maybe a three before sometime box. And they took the gravel out of the creek, out of Oak Creek, and mixed it with the cement and poured it in this box and built this dam. And oh. this and this dam is it's gotta be it's gotta be at least a hundred feet or more high. And and you can see they started down here and they had these and then they'd and then they'd overlap like that so that they didn't have and they and I guess rebar, steel, whatever they used. But they all took by hand. all by hand, mixed the cement, took the gravel out of the creek and put it in their mix boxes by and, and put the cement in and then and then hauled it up the side of this thing the higher it got with ropes and buckets and filled this but this That's this cool. diversion is something you need to see and take pictures of if you're where you're doing this. Yeah, and it's still there. It's oh yes, it's still there. Now, now the the creek to begin with, it dammed up with just water. And up here on the top of the from the from the top up here where the where the top of the dam was, then they went over here in this ledge and they come right down around the side of this ledge. And chiseled a ditch out of the side of this ledge with dynamite. They'd, and they chiseled this ledge that comes out around the, and put the water in this ditch and come down around to, to irrigate the field. That's cool. This, all of this is still here. And this diversion has been added to new stuff added to it. But the uh -huh. old dam is still there in the original. Right now, this... On the upside of this old dam, it's all filled up full of dirt from the floods. So now the water comes down here and they got it. So it goes over to this diversion first and any big floods, it just shoots on over the, and, and John Christensen and I built a, a trap. So in the ditch, so it was just like this. And we, it was a had it. We had a hand winch that we could pull it heavy, big old piece of plate steel, about three feet wide. And we poured cement so that it had to uh, with the runners, so it had to fall in the right where we wanted it. Uh -huh. And the hand cranked it on the windlass to lift it up. And and when we lifted it up, then then there was a pin on this side that stuck through through this. Big heavy piece of steel to hold it up. To hold it up, and we had it. We've had it fixed so that so that it wasn't through all the way. We only stuck it through like a inch, say, and it was fixed so that when a flood come down through there, not only would it go over the the old dam, but when it started down this ditch, after it got the ditch plumb full and flooding it. It would hit, this was hanging down, so it was right to the top of the water level of the ditch, the water that was in the ditch when uh -huh. it was good. Yeah. 
Okay, so when the flood come down and the water got up here up this high and it hit on the bottom of this, up a third, whatever, on this big heavy plate, it would trip that, trip the, the oh. lock, and out it would come and down would go this steel plate and, and dam the ditch off so that the flood Smart. water had to go over. It couldn't go down the ditch anymore. It had to go over and down, back down the creek where it should go. <laughs> and it's still there. Engineering. It's still there today. <laughs> and it cool. and it's fixed so that it's usable today. And all of this was done by hand. Mule yeah. horses and mules, they packed that cement up. I don't know where they unloaded it, but but one of the guys that worked down there found some old, old papers in an old chest that had on it where they got cement from from some cement company and the delivery it was the delivery paper of yeah. so many sacks of of cement. You know, I, I started we said a little bit, I told you about how they hauled the the wood for that old house, uh-huh. the Holes Creek house down the the Muley Twist. And I said the the Burr Trail was only this wide. Yeah. And even when I was a kid, just a young kid, there was no road off in there. It was just a sheep trail. And those sheep herders would come in there and camp at the bottom of that. And, and there were many herds, not just one. There was several herds. They'd come in and camp to the bottom of that. And the next morning, when, they was, when it was time, they'd load their camp and, on their mules. And they'd take those mules over and start them up that trail and turn them loose. And let them go. And the, and the sheep herders, the guys would bunching the sheep they'd get a little bunch over in the, and those sheep knew to follow those mules yeah. anyway out yeah. in the flat they'd start those mules and those mules would go up there and it zigzagged up and those mules would go to the top and they'd get up and those mules would know where the camp was on the top and those sheep That's it took cool. them took them all day long to get a to get a 12 1500 head of ewes up the bird trail They'd follow them, those mules, and and sometimes they if they you know if they had a lot of camp they'd start two mules, and then and then an hour later they'd start two more mules, but all the mules went to where they camped that night. They'd, they the knew. old the old mother mule or whoever knew, <laughs> that, and they'd lay down and they'd wait for them to get there. But that and then and then uh, two or three days later there'd be another herd come and they'd do exactly the same thing to get up into the circle cliffs. And then when they got in the circle cliffs, they'd keep bearing to the right and go over and, and what the hell's that name of that canyon? You can go up a canyon up to Indian Trail Bench and get up on the east side of the boulder. Really? And that's where they... Anyway, the, the miners and that went out there and they finally dozed this, this bird trail. But for years, many, many years, Jack King, Verlin King, over here, the vet. Is that his dad? His dad, Jack King, is the last one that I know of that went up that trail with a herd of sheep. Now, there may have been more, but I know Jack told me that. And Jack said he figured that he was, he was probably him and I can't remember who he said. And I might remember it, but he, him and somebody was there and they'd. They did exactly what I just told you. And then Jack was the, he, he figured he was the last one to put sheep up. And then, and then years later, they, they traded their sheep permit for cows. Done away. 
when, when there wasn't when they did that, then there wasn't any sheep left on the on the east side of the boulder. But they not only would they go to the east side, but then they'd get over and and go up. Uh, is it is it Bounds Point? I know exactly where to go. But anyway, they'd go over and, and keep climbing and get right clear on the top boulder. And the cowboys still use that road and trail now to get on top boulder. There's a there's a lot of lot of country like that. We was on the we was on the Bitter Creek Divide and camped on the Bitter Creek Divide. My dad, when I was still just a young kid, and for some reason, my dad says, "Come here, I want to show you." There's a there's a little coyote tank and and so right from where we camped we just walked it was only 50 yards or so we went over and right where a wash went the water run went over and down and I got looking and there was a bucket hanging in the tree down there so being a big kid I took off a foot and I went over and down a little ways and off found me a way to get off in that ledge and down and back up well, there was a bucket there with a rope on it. And there was a tank in the ledge, the Slick Rock ledge. It was about that, just a little bigger than the bucket, about that big around. And you could drop this bucket down in there and fill it full of water and pull it back up. That's cool. And my dad told me, he says, when you get through playing, hang that rope, tie it back up <laughs> that tree, which I did. <laughs> but, but today, you know, people drive by. I'm probably the last one in the world that, that knows where that's at. And where was it at? On the Bitter Creek Divide. Yeah, Bitter Creek Divide. And that was one of the places that we camped as we was trailing, trailing home. Yeah. Well, it, thank you for doing this. You betcha. I really appreciate my it. My pleasure. My <laughs> pleasure. That concludes part two of my interview with Glenn D. Taft. If you like what you're hearing, please leave us a rating and a review. And also, we have t-shirts, sweatshirts, and hoodies available for on our Instagram page if you want to head over there and check that out. Our Instagram is cowboystories underscore podcast. Thanks. Mm-hmm.